0: I'm just a radio girl, I love things that talk to me You LOL, I did, I I'm laughed out loud I'm Lisa, I'm great, everything's fine Somebody just wrote on my Facebook page Please get your mom on Facebook We want to be her friend, do you want to be on Facebook? What is that? Are you on Twitter? I talked to the mailman <laughs> Is that Twitter? Life with Lisa Williams is like a cage. Run right around in the sun Exactly Put a sprinkler in the yard, this is life This is, this. This is, this is life This is life 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 Life, life. 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 This is Life with Lisa Williams. Hi, it's good to talk to you again. There are some amazing guests who are booked for you for the remainder of this week. Seriously, some of my favorite people on the planet are going to be on Life with Lisa Williams this week. Some of my very favorite radio people, some of my best friends, some people who've helped me more than any people in the world. They're all going to be guests this week, Uh, but not today. Today, it's just me. Yep. Today it's just me. So this is going to be a test of our true friendship. This is a test of your commitment if you stay the entire 20 minutes because it's just me. It's just me. And there's something that's on my heart. And so I'm just going to share it. And maybe it'll be a blessing to you. Maybe it'll make you think about things in a different way. But it's just my story. And coming off of Mother's Day, it just feels right that this is what today's show should be about. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story and in advance, Hashtag thanks for listening, which is something I say obsessively. My friends can attest to the fact that I say thanks for listening interspersed into almost every conversation because I never want to be a person who lacks so much self-awareness that I talk and talk and talk and nobody's listening, but everybody's nodding and smiling just hoping I end soon. That's like one of my biggest fears. And so you have the freedom to not listen to this podcast. So I don't have to be afraid, but in case you stay till the very end... Hashtag thanks for listening you were on my mind yesterday as I was walking back to my seat at church I thought about saying these things to you Because yesterday was mother's day and my church is very sweet and honoring And they wanted to honor moms So they asked us to come to the front and they prayed over all of us and then gave us a small gift and as I was heading back to my seat I made eye contact with a woman who did not go up to the front. She was a little bit older than me, and just for a second, I saw a flicker of pain in her eyes, undeniable, just for a second, and then she smiled. The pain covered up quickly, like an expert. Oh, I know that. I know that so well. I remember that. You may not know my story, but we were married for 20 years before we had children, 20 20 years, like 20, (laughs) not five, not 10, not 15, like 20 years. And in our first year of marriage, we decided, let's be parents. Let's have kids. We were young. I was 18. He was 22 when we got married. And we were like immediately, let's just go ahead and have kids. And so we did nothing to impede children. And yet children did not come to us. One year Two years, three years, four years, five, six, seven, eight. It's not fun for me to access the pain, but even as I say the numbers, the pain starts to come back, the memory, the echoes of the pain start to reverberate a little bit inside of me. I saw it for a second in that woman's eyes. Because a woman who doesn't come up to the front when they're honoring moms is a woman who isn't a mom, or she was a mom, or who knows what the story is. She wishes she was a mom. She used to be a mom. There's pain there. Not for every woman, but for some, and I was one of those women for sure. I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you a little bit of my story. It was confusing to me. Why wasn't I being blessed with children? When I was younger, I would think things like, did I do something wrong? Is God mad at me? Did I sin? And some people helped me feel that way. (laughs) You know, (laughs) some people said, "Well, wow." Some people said a lot of things, but there were a few who made me feel like if my prayer life was different or if my faith was stronger, or maybe, maybe I wasn't really in faith. Maybe I didn't believe. There was all kinds of stuff that. I waited through as I tried to understand why year 9, year 10, year 11, why no children? What is it? And we saw a doctor when I was 26 years old, and they ran some tests, but everything was inconclusive, and I just walked away with more pain. I can remember looking at every Bible verse about women who, who had infertility issues, like Elizabeth who ended up being the mother of John the Baptist, or Hannah, who prayed and prayed and prayed for her child. She prayed so hard they thought she was drunk as she was rocking in the temple seeking God. And Oh, I can relate to her. The prayers that I prayed during those 20 years, I remember writing every Bible verse about being a happy mother of children out and putting them on the wall and saying them every day, believing that if I said them enough, you know, But there was something deeper that God was doing in me. And it wasn't like, put a coin in the vending machine and poof, your prayers are answered. It wasn't like that. It wasn't going to be like that for me. Um, I remember once coming home from church. I was by myself that day. And I remember getting in bed, putting the blanket over my head and wailing, I am infertile. I am infertile. I am infertile over and over again. It was like I just had to come to terms with it. I couldn't. I couldn't be happy and I couldn't pretend like I believed anymore. (laughs) It's like, I'm infernal. The saddest day. Oh, I can remember another prayer time. I was on my knees just crying out to God, yelling. I was yelling to heaven, where are my children at the top of my lungs? Where are my children? Where are they? I can't find them. I remember when I took matters into my own hands, when I'd kind of had enough and thought, you know, God's not paying attention. He's not moving quickly enough for me. And I've waited and waited and waited and waited. So obviously he wants me to take things into my own hands and move forward. Even though there wasn't agreement and peace, I moved forward with an adoption because that's what I wanted. And I was ready to make a decision. And there were red flags the entire way, but I pushed on. I didn't. Stop! even though I felt like the Holy Spirit was trying to stop me. I just pushed right through to the point of spending thousands of dollars with lawyers and all kinds of people and having the baby hours for about a day, and then the entire adoption fell through. I can very keenly remember staying with some wonderful people in Ohio. I remember laying on their couch in the middle of the night listening to a Mercy Me song and telling God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I elevated motherhood above you, and I will never do it again. If I'm a mom or if I'm not a mom, Jesus, you are everything to me, and I will serve you until the day I die. You are my Lord, and I will never elevate anything above you again. And then I remember a lot of pain at that adoption falling through because so many people had been so kind to me and given me so many gifts and showers, and I was So ready. I remember laying underneath that crib and just crying and crying and crying. And then I took a job someplace far away really quickly to try to run away from my pain because that's what I always did. I either stuffed my pain or ran from my pain, but dealing with the pain, eh, I couldn't do that. That's one thing I'm working through in therapy right now, how to sit with my pain and invite Jesus to sit next to me and not run from it. But ask God to do fully in my life what he wants to do and learning and growing. And um, yeah, there was this one moment that I will never forget. And maybe if you live in Orlando, you were listening that morning when my private life and my public life suddenly merged unexpectedly and very loudly when I was on the radio with my friend Scott and we had Stephen Curtis Chapman as a guest and he was sharing about Johanna's Hope and then we played a song, I think it's When Love Takes You In and after the song, I was supposed to say, positive hits, Z88.3, that's the latest song from Stephen Curtis Chapman or something like that. But instead, the mic went on and I just cried and words bubbled up out of my heart that I had not weighed, like I didn't weigh the words before I said them publicly. It was just like pain gushing out over the microphone about my infertility and not knowing what to do and and it being so confusing and there's so much pain and I wish I, I, wish I could adopt. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to and it's all so confusing and I mean... Talk about galvanizing me and Central Florida for the people who were listening. And so many people contacted me because I became a real person. You know, public people sometimes just show you what they want to show you. And in that moment, I lost all filters and it was just raw me. It's like a geyser. It's like, oh, it's coming out. I can't stop it. (laughs) And I'm really thankful for that moment only because I know people started praying for me which is such a gift. When you pray for someone, that's a gift. Open up the windows of heaven over somebody's head. Pray for them today. God is real and he answers prayer. He is faithful. He is faithful because as time went on, the dream of being a mom never left my heart ever. And I would say to God, you say the word. I'm on a plane to China. You say the word. I'm in Guatemala. Father, you say the word. Because I think adoption is like the best thing ever. But as I prayed as we prayed. We never could agree on that. And so I just waited. And so I just waited. And then when I was 36 and 37, I just realized, you know, this dream has never left my heart. I prayed very hard about visiting doctors, infertility specialists, and felt God's peace. And so we began that journey. In 2006. And I wish I could tell you so many things that are so deep, (laughs) but I don't know if I can in this 20 minutes. There was a big pendulum swing in my spiritual walk where I felt like He would bless me if I was good. If I was good, then He would bless me. And I went through this season of not being good. Yet, God blessed me. (laughs) He showed me that we don't really deserve anything. (laughs) We certainly don't deserve the blessings that come to us. We deserve, I don't know, certainly not good enough to earn anything. My goodness compared to his, even on my very best day, is, as Paul said, filthy rags. There's no comparison. So why would I ever think, well, if I'm really, really good then he'll like me and he he'll bless me. <laughs> he likes me. He likes us. He longs to bless us. He loves us. He loves us more than we can understand. There was a Bible verse in church yesterday that reminded me of this and I thought about telling you this. It's that verse that says, "If God is for us, who can be against us?" He is for us. He's for us all the time. He loves us. God loves us so much more than we can comprehend. I pray, I beg that you and I would have deeper insight into how much he loves us today and every day because it is his love that is the greatest gift. We are so loved, it's incomprehensible. I know I've only scratched the surface of this, but I want to understand it even more. So loved that he gave his one and only son to give a child, to give the one you love, He showed me something very profound. When I deserved the very worst, he gave me the very best. Not because I earned it, not because I deserved it, but because he loves me. He loves you. And Those things that are in your heart and the things that you've been praying for, don't lose heart. Continue to believe. Continue to pray. Continue to seek his face. Be honest. Pour out your heart to him in prayer. He hears you. You can trust him. You can trust him. He loves you more than you love you. His plans for you are good and not not for evil, but he wants to prosper you and give you hope. <laughs> not the prosperity the way that man looks at it, but a soul prosperity where you richly know him and can have love flow out of you in such a way that people can only say, that has to be God. You know, that's what he has for you. In 2007, we had a son and his name is... John David. We call him JD. And in 2008, (laughs) we had another one, (laughs) Jesse, the icing on the Jesus cake. That's what I used to always say about him, because there were so many amazing things going on in our life. Um, And then we found out we were going to have another one. So at 38, and then again at 39, the plan for my life and motherhood became real. There's a verse in the Psalms that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your sins, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And every time I read that verse or those words, loving kindness and tender mercies, I think of JD and Jesse. JD is loving kindness and Jesse is tender mercies. They live in my house. Loving kindness and tender mercies live in my house. When you see a picture of me and my sons, will you please remember that God is faithful, that he hears us when we pray, that his plans for us are good? that He truly does want to bless us, even though sometimes the path doesn't make sense and is painful. Oh, I wish I could just make sure you believed that. I wish I could just download all the things that I've seen and heard and experienced into your brain just so that I know that you know. I want you to know He loves you. He loves us. And we can trust Him. And then just a reminder For me, after yesterday, seeing the pain flicker in that woman's eyes, it's a good reminder that in our life, we will come across people who are infertile or who have suffered greatly losing a child. Uh, Let's just be so gracious with our words. When I was infertile, the things that people said to me would hurt so much, but I wore a mask so they wouldn't know. It's a little bit of pride. Like I'm not going to let you know how badly you hurt me instead of just saying, ouch, could you reconsider your words? I would just wear this mask. But people said things to me like, even the question, do you have children? Would hurt because then I had to say, no. It's better not to ask someone if they have children because they may have experienced a great loss or they might be infertile. Wait till they bring it up themselves and then talk to them about their children. If someone only has one child, don't say, do you have any other children? Because they may feel pain that they only have one and they wish they had more. And again, there may have been loss. So talk to people about the things that they bring up, but don't ask direct questions like that because believe it or not, it can cause great, great pain. Some people would joke and say, Don't you know how that works? Haven't you figured that out yet? So I would joke right back, like, Oh, yeah, we've been practicing. (laughs) But I was masking deep, deep pain. Some people, several people over those 20 years, joked and said, You want some of my kids? You can have a few of mine. And I would be hurt by that because you're joking about something that's so remarkably precious. I guess you're trying to make me feel better. It's not working. (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to make you paranoid. You feel like you can't talk to anybody about anything, but when it comes to something that's close to a person's heart, then let the love of God flow out of you with compassion and sensitive words. And just taking the time to think before you talk. Okay, I'm getting off of that soapbox now. And I just want to wrap up by saying that many times I've been asked to talk to women who are infertile and they're hurting. And it always comes down to the same thing for me every time. There's not some cookie cutter answer. I can tell my story and different things that I did. I can commiserate. I can pray. But when it all boils down to the bottom line, it's about surrender Surrendering my life to God's plan? I mean, what if I had never had children? Would I still love him and serve him and think that he's good? If you never get married, can you surrender that to God and know that he's got a plan for your life that's even better than that? If your children struggle with with many things, Are you able to surrender that? I mean, I feel like it's not, now how can I get the thing that I want? You got the thing that you wanted, so how can I get the thing that I want? It's not that. For me, it comes back to every single time Christ who said, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done and trusting that whatever that is will be glorious. So that's my bottom line. So I'm so stirred up now thinking about all of that, I'm going to go to lifewithlisawilliams.com right now, and I'm going to start putting up different Bible verses that God used in my life over those years of infertility just to remind myself to encourage me and to encourage you. And if you have a story or some verses that you want to share with the rest of us, that's where you can do it, lifewithlisawilliams.com. My 20 minutes is up. Hashtag thanks for listening.